This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everybody and welcome to Friday's Blood Red podcast. It is the international break, but the good news is we are halfway through it now. We can see the wood for the trees and the good stuff is on its way back next Saturday. Uh, here with myself, Sean Bradbury, is three people who very much put club before country. Uh, three of the Echo's finest, we've got the big man Paul Gorst. Gorsty, how, how are you doing the international break so far? Surviving, getting through it day by day, but uh, can't wait for the return of actual, real Premier League football next week. This is what we like to hear, we're all helping each other through this break, it's that, that's the kind of spirit. Kiva, you got any specific coping strategies for the international break? I'm really enjoying it, do you want to know why? Oh, yeah? I just find, now we're getting, we're just brilliant of football it's nice to have a little break and just to sit back and go we're great and just have that little moment and then you enjoy I was saying that someone to someone yesterday like how you can just now sit but we're international breaks if you look at like Tottenham they're in a different position to us they'd be sitting can't wait to get where we've got four wins from four and flying aren't we so it's it's nice to just stew in the moment I think I think that's that's changed my mind Theo how how (laughs) are you are you as positive as Kiva I was going to say, I've just been forgetting about the football and taking a leaf out of Michael Owen's book and creating feuds. I seem to have had one with uh, <laughs> Sam Carroll, John Rimmer, of course, John uh, Sam Fadrizzi, <laughs> and then Joel as well. I think I've got four going this week. It's been quite busy. Your card is marked yeah. by, by a lot of individuals. Fair <laughs> yeah, play. public enemy by the sounds of it. Right, well, we will start with the two players that matter most, which is uh, two of the lads who are still at Liverpool, still at Melwood, who've, for various reasons uh, of, of injuries, not been able to go on international duty. Gorsty, uh, you had an update on Alison and Cater this week, how they're both getting on? Yeah, so they've been put on specially designed training regimes to basically step up the rehabilitation process during the international break. Uh, obviously, Alison got about 40 minutes into the new season, didn't he, and pulled up with a calf injury against Norwich, and Adrian deputised since. Naby Cater hasn't played competitively since uh, May the 1st when he hobbled off at the Camp Nou. Uh, Played a little bit, didn't he, in the Community Shield and looked lively, um, very much in keeping with Cater's whole Liverpool career, really. Uh, come on, lively cameo, look good, and then injury once again has, has struck him down. So both of them have been put on specific programmes to, to help help them during the international break. Seen a little bit of Alisson's, didn't we, on his Instagram yesterday. Mm. He was indoors and he was basically just doing a little, little few shuttles in between cones and just stepping up that uh, recovery process, which hopefully isn't too long, long away now. And... Um, Cater's hip complaint goes on and it's um, I can't really see him making a, a return, uh, especially in the starting lineup against Newcastle. Maybe it might be another couple of weeks for him. But um, yeah, hopefully both are on the men because they're going to be important players, aren't they, for Liverpool? Uh, particularly Alisson, who for me is probably the best goalkeeper in the world right now. Mm, absolutely. Well, Edison agrees as well. We've had that story <laughs> this week. He says uh, Alisson's a step ahead of him. Uh, Theo, story you've written has just literally gone on the website right now. Bit of a boost for the Reds and, and includes Cater. So while we're on him, talk us through that. Uh, yeah, well, with the African Cup of Nations now being a summer tournament, they're doing this African Championships in January. And the difference with this tournament is only players in the national leagues are eligible to play. So Egypt have snubbed it, said they don't want to take part. But Guinea and Senegal are both competing and they're actually facing off against each other in qualifiers. So their first legs this window, their second legs next window. But as obviously Mane, Salah, Kaita, they're all playing in England. They're not playing in the Senegal, Egypt, whatever. So mm. they're not eligible to play in this tournament. So that's why Salah, uh, Mane and all that, lot, they've got this international break-off and they'll also have October off. So while Egypt could potentially book in a friendly and say they want to get a couple of games in October, uh, as it stands, they don't. So Salah will yeah. definitely have October international break-off and Mane and Kaita 
they will too. So they're not going to be playing for their international sides again until November as things go at the moment. Could be massive that, couldn't it, given it's pretty much two games a week for the Reds when it's not an international break for from now till January. So it does, does seem a, a big big move that. Especially as Mane's, I think, 17 days off he had this summer, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. 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 And when you've been talking about all the games Liverpool have been playing, they've been, what, two of the most featured under Klopp in the last two seasons. They've had the World Cup, they've had the Cup of Nations. When you think, oh, they've not had a summer off for two years, well, when are you going to get two weeks off? in what each month coming up to it that's that's great news for the squad mm, absolutely um, lastly then Kiva on, on Alisson Gorsley mentioned it before this, this vid of him uh, skipping around some cones and looking like he's well back on the way this was, this was your story this week um, are you going to miss Adrian when he when he goes and when he's confined to the bench again yeah no he'll still be there won't he and I think what Adrian has shown he's done a great job hasn't he a couple of mistakes but I don't think that Mars you know his time at Liverpool he won us the Super Cup didn't he and you know he's Adam, what is a magical month? You can't imagine mm. starting a job, yeah. going from having no club to you know playing for Liverpool, and is likely going to start you know the Champions League game and stuff like that. It's for the Champions of Europe. He must just be pinching himself. And obviously, I think in this international break, aren't they sort of doing some extra training with him, similar to like what Allison's going through? Obviously, he's got a tailored program now. Know how to make some improvements, so you know. I think he's 32, but Klopp's still trying on. You know, look at James Milner, he never stops sort of learning. I feel like that sort of attitude, but obviously, I'd like to see Alisson back just because you feel now. I mean, even with Adrian, Liverpool aren't that team anymore where you worry about set pieces and stuff because yeah. obviously, Van Dyke and the defensive improvements we've made it under Klopp, but I think it's nice to have Alisson back just for that extra percent of just feeling that safety but Adrian's come in and I haven't really felt like oh my god he can't catch a ball or anything he's been great in the air he's been I think his distribution's been okay obviously it's not at Allison's level but at any keepers in the world at Allison's level of distribution only a couple I'd say um so yeah I'm looking forward to getting him back obviously but I think Adrian you know deserves all the credit for what he's done it's the one-on-ones that have really struck me with Adrian because you think Liverpool, whether we agree or not, they're playing this offside trap, high line, whatever you want to call it. Teams are getting in behind them every so often. And the fact that he's so quick off his line and saving things with his feet, like there have been a couple of moments where he's maybe pushed it back into the danger zone. And obviously we saw the mistake he's made against Southampton. But when you've got a keeper who one-on-one and you can count on him, that brings such confidence to the rest of the defence. Mm. I think you're right there, especially against Burnley. Not that it was... Liverpool were under siege in any way, and it wasn't even kind of like a typical onslaught that you expect from Burnley. But he had there was a couple of times where he bailed the Reds out, and he'll always have that clean sheet in his Super Cup in the bag, won't he? Whatever, whatever happens to him for the rest of the season. So, well done, Adrian. Um, we'll move on to another Reds who's been in, making headlines this week, and that's Dejan Lovren. Um, some quotes that he made, I think, to was it out to a radio station or some back in, in his homeland, was it? Yeah, yeah and earlier this week. Uh, just read some of these out in case anyone missed them. He was talking about how it played out for him over the summer and why he didn't leave and why uh, Roma and Milan, the interest was there, but why that was ultimately not seen out. Uh, so he did say, I did consider the move, and he, but he went on to say he's not the type of player that likes to sit on the bench and earn money, um, which is obviously all fair enough. He confirmed that Milan and Roma were interested and I think it seemed that Roma... As, as the Echo reported and others did, were the ones that were much further down the line, but it all, all broke down in the end. And he did also say he knows he's in the worst position of all the centre-backs in the Liverpool team, so obviously understands his kind of place in the squad and his pecking order now, but ultimately went on to say that he was told LFC needed him and he accepts that. What do you make of all this then, Gorsley, and the way it's played out? I think it's, it's fair to say it's a pretty professional attitude from Lovren. Oh, uh, 100%, yeah. I mean, he, he was so honest in that interview where he admitted 
um, that he's fourth choice and he's not particularly happy and, and he did consider leaving. But once Jürgen Klopp had a word with him and said, look, I need you, you're going to be needed at some point this season, he was happy enough to um, to accept that stance and um, now he's cracking on with trying to get back on the team, isn't he? I think he's a long way off usurping Joel Matip and, and Joe Gomez at the moment, but he's a very experienced centre-back. He's, he's 30 years old, he's got how many years' experience in Premier League now? Is it five, is it? Um, obviously... He he was he was quick to talk up the point in in that particular interview of him being a World Cup finalist and a Champions League finalist and indeed mm. now a Champions League winner. So um, I think he's, he's a very good option for Liverpool to have. He, he will play. There's no doubt about it. He might even play in a couple of weeks at, at MK Dons. Um, Liverpool have got so many games this season. I mean, if they want to, um, if they're serious about the, the FA Cup and and the um, the Carabao Cup, mm. and then obviously they've got the um, World Club Cup in December, which is two games, semi final and possibly final. So. At some stage, he will be called upon. So it was great to hear that he, he's, um, you know, professional. He's not going to rock the boat. He said his piece, which is very honest, very hard on your sleeve, uh, trademark day on Lovren. Yeah. But uh, he sounds like he's ready to uh, accept the stance, knuckle down, and, and try and get back on the team. Mm. How do you see Akiva? I mean, it seems to me there's kind of almost parallels with with Mignolet in his situation last season, where for one reason or another there was every reason for him to want to leave and go and pursue first team football. But as it worked out, he ended up staying and. It's not exactly the same, is it, in terms of like, you know, the Reds kind of being able to, you know, with the carrier situation and how that played out. It was more of a case of, you know, oh, please, will, will, will you stay for another season and help us out? With Love, and obviously there was the opportunity to leave, but it works out well for the Reds, doesn't it? They've got another option, an experienced player, someone who's been around for a while and big big character in the dressing room. I think it worked out well for Mignolet, didn't it? He won a Champions well, yeah, League true. winner's medal and obviously Lovren can look at that as well, you know. This year, Liverpool are likely to win. We've already won the Super Cup, going to Qatar to play in the in the World Finals. And, you know, I think Jürgen Klopp wouldn't keep him around if he didn't think his attitude was right. I don't think, obviously, he's determined to try and get back in the team and whether he can do that or not remains to be seen. But he would have let him go, I think, if he didn't feel like this is a player who's going to try and, you know, push. Because, obviously, like we've spoke about Mignolet, obviously... Klopp said, like, you know, best number two in the league and he would have pushed Alisson as good as Alisson is. You've got to have them players there, you know, and obviously, you know, we've spoke about it numerous times on here, the injuries can occur and mm. to have someone like that in your roster is obviously a good thing for Liverpool in case something, you know, we've got Fabinho, we've spoke about that before, but you've got to have, you know, someone who is experienced, he's a veteran defender and I think obviously the dressing room balance as well, he's Salah's best mate isn't he, yeah. so to, yeah, to almost keep him around like Moreno last year was sort of <laughs> you know, he weren't going to play but for the morale, mm. he's a morale boost and I feel like, you know, Lovren has got that that passion and if we can just tone it into you know, something positive in terms of pushing Matip and Joe Gomez, Van Dijk even, you know, I think obviously it can be a good thing for Liverpool mm. How do you see it Theo, I mean is he is he almost doing himself down when he said he's the worst of all four centre backs? I think it probably is, you know, unarguable that he is the fourth choice in the pecking order. But is it is it black and white? Like, is there a way he could force himself back into contention and not necessarily being first or second choice, but getting a decent run of games? Because it's not that long ago, is it? Like like we've said that he was that he was starring in international tournaments and getting to a Champions League final with the Reds. I love the honesty. It's um, what you expect from Lovren and the bulk and personalities. Um, and you think well. Against MK Dons, if Milner's not playing, he will be captain. Mm. Um, you think back to last season, this time last year, Joel Matip was fourth choice. He entered the season starting in the Champions League final. 
these players, they're all going to play a part. And we said, well, Mingale, Liverpool needed him as that option. But you don't really, I know we've had it this year, you don't get goalkeeper injuries that often. Mingale knew going into the season that he wasn't going to be used. Yeah. Whereas Lovren will get his opportunity. And it is still a very young Liverpool squad. What's changed going forward at the moment is the players, they've got that bit of maturity now. They've won a trophy and they're beginning to all edge towards their peaks. And it's only really Lovren, Milner, Henderson and Van Dijk that are the leaders in this camp. Mm. And it would have been a loss to lose a player who's that personality there. Because you do need this mixture to motivate the rest of the team and to spur them on. And like we've seen um, James Milner, his reaction to um, not coming on against Burnley, yeah. like, made a joke out of an Instagram to make a joke of the whole Salamane thing. Uh, you need these players. And the fact that Lovren can come out and say something like this rather than head down, sulk about it, is credit to him. Mm, absolutely. Um, we're moving on to another player and we'll stay with you on this one, first of all, Theo, because again, another tale you've just written has gone up on Zed and Shakiri. Um Strange situation, although, you know, kind of a lot of the same conversations that were happening around this time last season about why are we not seeing more of him, what's what's happening with him, how's he doing in training and all that, but a situation that's kind of arisen internationally and uh, involving Granit Xhaka. Uh, tell us about that one, Theo. Yeah, it's a weird one. Obviously, Shakiri's um, said he doesn't want to be called up for international duty this month. And the feeling here was, oh, we're just going to assume it's because he's had a disrupted pre-season. He went away in the Nations League, got injured, and he's missed quite a bit of the season. He's not in Klopp's like, starting eleven plans, so he wants to put in some good performances, get his fitness up, and go there. Makes sense. It's what You respect that, don't you? Getting the fitness levels up and concentrating on your club football. But it appears that um, the feeling in the Switzerland camp is he's sulking because he didn't get the captaincy out for their recent games. Uh, Stefan Lichstein is their first-choice captain. But obviously, he didn't get a lot of game time, I think, at Arsenal last year. And it took him quite a while to get a move. So he's been left out of the current squad. And Granit Xhaka's got the armband. Mm. Um, and Shakiri's apparently uh, got his bottom lip out about this. He wanted the armband. He feels he's a, a year older than Xhaka. He's like their talisman, isn't he? So he feels, if you believe these rumours, that he should have had it. You think, well, if it's just rumours, take it with a pinch of salt. But both the manager and Granit Xhaka have come out and spoken about the situation. The manager's come out and said um, that is, there's no feud, there's no dispute or anything, but his relationship with Shakiri could be better, mm. which is quite a strange situation, you think, for a manager to openly admit about his best player. And then Xhaka's come out and said that he was disappointed that he's not in the squad uh, before they played Ireland. And then after the game, he said, well, if it is about the armband, come in, we'll have a talk about it, you can have it. I'm still going to play for my country, whether I'm wearing the armband or not. Fair enough, but then... If it's only for these games, like if Lichstein is still captain and he's fit and he's playing games, he'll be captain for the next break. Mm. So it's whether it's Shakiri genuinely sulking because he wasn't captain and didn't want to play as the Xhaka as captain. It's all very odd. Mm. It is, Ghost. It, it's a strange situation. I mean, I suppose from a Liverpool perspective, you want to just take it as read that what he said last week when he announced that he wouldn't be going on international duty, that he wants to just knuckle down and earn his place in the squad. You hope that that is, that is the case. What, what do you think it is with him? What, what does he need to do to, to earn more game time? Or is it just the case of, you know, the start of the season was always going to see the strongest teams when there was only one game a week and he'll get his chance now? Yeah, he'll get his chance. I uh, don't think there's any doubt about that. Jürgen Klopp said before the Burnley game that uh, there won't be many changes for that game, but after the international break, there will be some. Uh, Liverpool have got, I think it's six games between uh, September the 14th and October the 2nd, mm. which is, is a lot, isn't it, when you think about it? And rotation will be uh, part of Klopp's thinking, there's no doubt about that, particularly uh, MK Dons. So, yeah, he, he will get games. And I, I don't necessarily think it's anything that he's doing or not doing. It's just the fact that the front three is is the front three, isn't it? Undoubtedly, for me, the, the, the world's best front line. So, um, you've got to be some special player to to wrestle yourself yeah. into, into that team. And 
Um, Shakiri hasn't been able to do it so far this season, so um, just just one of those things. He, he will get chances. Um, I'd prefer to see him not going on international duty as him trying to knuckle down, catch the manager's eye with uh, you know his professionalism and his dedication to um, getting into that team. The international stuff about the, the armband is, is a little bit of a strange one, isn't it? Um, and it, as you say, Theo, it is uh, a bit telling that the manager's admitted that the relationship isn't quite there between him and Xhaka, but I think from a Liverpool perspective, if he's not going on international duty, that's always going to be a benefit to, to them because it risks um, chances of him getting injured. So Liverpool have probably got to look at that as, as a positive for whatever's happening over in Switzerland and um, he will get game time at, at some stage in the next few weeks. Mm. No, it's still early days in the season, Kiva, but Shaqiri kind of came into a lot of conversations and debates people were having over the summer in terms of transfer policy because it was like, you know, the Liverpool need backup, they need support for that front three. And obviously they've stayed fit, they've all come in so far and, and they're all playing well. Like Gorsty says, it's it's very, very hard to displace them, even if you're already at, at the club. But in in a way, you know, there is a guy who's an international star, you know, he's, he's, he's a fantastic player. He was even good for Liverpool last season and had so many good moments. But he can't quite force his way in. Like, if Liverpool had, had bought someone else, they'd be in a similar situation. You've also got Brewster, who hasn't really had much of a chance so far, and, and rightly so, you know, he's, he's got to earn that. Um, but yeah, do, do you think it will kind of change and unfold a bit differently for Shaqiri and, and he will get a look in as, as the year progresses? I think we sort of thought that last season when he... I think his first game came. He came on at Leicester, didn't he? And that was sort of after a great pre-season. Obviously, scores that stunning goal against Man United, and you're thinking, could he be this player that's gonna maybe disrupt the front three and like add his own mark on it? But I feel like he did that a little bit. Obviously, he is a bit part player, and you feel like you know that's what. Of course, he comes to Liverpool knowing that would be his role. Mm. But to see this determination, which is similar to Lovren's, I think you know these players they want to be at Liverpool because you know. There's not really a better team to be at right now than Liverpool. Um, but, you know, you are going to be limited in, t- in terms of game time. And you think, you know, towards the end of the season, we'll see more of the likes of Brewster and obviously in the cup games, if we can have runs in them. Yeah. Um, I think Shaqiri will obviously start those games and that's when you can lay down a marker and, you know, give Klopp something really to think about. And during this international break, when there's, you know, a lot of the players are away, Shaqiri can, you know, show... What he, I mean, he's proved what he can do in the past. Like Theo said before, he's been a talisman for Switzerland for many years now. And I think he posted a picture the other day of like his Champions League and Super Cup winning medals. Obviously, he won with Bayern Munich as well. You know, this is a player who is of that ilk. He's a winner. Mm. And to have them in your squad, I think, is just a brilliant thing. And, you know, the fans do seem to, you know, when we ever put out anything on Shakiri, they do seem to really engage with it because, you know, there is that potential there and I think everyone sort of smells it but they just want to now see it but mm. it's it's just such a difficult thing because this Liverpool team are just already, you know, you know, that front three are just so cemented that it's hard for them to, even like Oxlade-Chamberlain, you want to see more of him as well but it's mm. going to be dif- difficult to sort of displace these, you know, world-class players but yeah, I, I think, you know, he's, he seems to have a good attitude obviously what's going on in the national team won't sort of thingy from that and just like to see maybe him come on late like he'd done against Leicester because that was the first sort of thing you sort of seen of him last and he only come on to take throw-ins and keep the ball in the corner <laughs> now if that's his mm. role at Liverpool obviously we brought in a throw-in coach and you know it's them little margins because that Leicester game I remember thinking back to it and you know a season's won in moments like that and you know obviously we got to 97 points but that it sort of felt like the tide had turned and Leicester were going to mm. get the equaliser, but obviously Shaqiri come on and 
you know, sort of rescued it and kept the ball away from them. So if he can do that for more than one game this season, then, you know, he's more than paid back that transfer fee. I think mm. it, looking at Shaqiri, the, the, the ideal scenario for him and for Jürgen Klopp is what he did against Manchester United and Anfield last year where Liverpool was struggling to break them down a little bit despite dominating. He came on and scores two goals and, and basically takes the, the game away from United and is the hero. Um, hopefully Liverpool won't, won't be struggling too much here and there but if they do then they've got him to turn to and he's he's capable isn't he of, of turning a game with his quality. Little moments of brilliance here and there and um, he's certainly talented enough to do that as and when. The issue for him would be how many times he's going to be able to to be given that opportunity because mm. so far so good for Liverpool. So um, it's a difficult one for him, but I think I agree with Kieran in terms of having someone of his quality and his um, his experience um, as a backup option is uh, is fantastic for Jurgen Klopp. What's tougher for him is where the opportunity is going to come from. Like I think you think back to last season, um, after that United game, the only moments you can really pick out are he set up a goal against Barcelona yeah. and he set up the winner against Newcastle. You said, well, how often is he going to come on and have that opportunity? His best football for Liverpool last season was in that first half of the year. And that's when Mane, Salah and Firmino were not at their best. Klopp had to find another way to get the team going. He changed the formation and Shakiri became a big part of that, whether it was behind the striker or on the right wing. Well, now, a year on, we're looking at it. The front three are in the best form they've been in for God knows how long. Mm. And they're just, they've taken it up another level. Like The second half of last season, they took it up one. And now it's up again. And you think, well, Shakiri at his best for Liverpool was only in that team because they weren't at their best. Mm. He must be looking at it now going, how do I get into this team? So hopefully that is like we've been saying, the international thing, why he's wanted to stay back because he needs to work hard and just train and impress the manager. But he's got his work cut out if he is going to get those opportunities. And it's up to him when he does get one. He will get one against MK Dons, for example, to grab it with both hands. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Well, I think you said it yourself then, Ghosty, so far so good in terms of Liverpool's start to the season. Let's... Let's just go around the room, have a general assessment of what we've seen so far. So obviously four out of four in the league, 12 points, top of the table. Can't really argue with that. Oh, I'm sure there's bits we can assess and, and pick at there, but a couple of trickier ways negotiated. Southampton's never easy. Burnley always seems to be a bit of a barometer of whether you know someone's really kind of worthy of being, being champions and can kind of you know dog out every single type of game you, that you get thrown at you in the Premier League. Super Cup, obviously, already in the bag. How how starting with you, Gutty, how, how have you assessed it all so far? Do you think there's anything else that needs to be sorted out? Anything the club will be looking to work on over the international break, or is it as good as it looks? Uh, for me, uh, I think it's, I think Jürgen Klopp has to be delighted, doesn't he? Um, the Community Shield was unfortunate to lose on penalties to who are going to be the main obstacle towards League Title 19, mm. but they absolutely dominated that second half, and um, it was a bit of a... Bit of an eye-opener maybe to some people who were a bit frustrated with how the pre-season went. It was a reminder that Liverpool uh, are still as good as they were two months ago when they were lifting the Champions League. And then four, four out of four in the Premier League, It's it's been, you know, Norwich was, particularly the first half, was an excellent display. Burnley was a very different uh, performance, but that was no less impressive. Uh, walked away 3-0 after a very professional performance. Arsenal, I thought, they absolutely hammered them from the, from the word go. Yeah. Probably should have... Um, stepped foot on the gas a little bit more three nil and could have even have walked away four or five from that one. Um, and what's what's the other one I've missed out? Just um, the fourth game, isn't it? Southampton was it or Southampton? Yeah, uh, again another tough place to go. And um, Manchester United found that out last week, didn't he? So yeah. that that was another really good performance. So it hasn't been it hasn't been an easy start by any stretch. But Liverpool have 
performed very well and I think Klopp has to be delighted with Boris Sheen but he'll know more than anyone little things that can be worked on to improve and um, I'm pretty sure he's already thinking about that now. Mm. How about you Theo? Do you share that optimism? I suppose like the lack of clean sheets was one thing but then even then you know they put that to bed with Burnley and Adrian got his first clean sheet and looked a bit better at the back so is it is it kind of all rosy for you? Now, I know Kiva's going to be very optimistic, so I'm going to be very pessimistic here and say, I wanted the Community Shield. I don't care that it's a really dodgy trophy. It looks rubbish. Uh, (laughs) If you're going for all seven, let's win all seven. So the fact that Genie Wijnaldum's missed penalty cost them that, let's just focus on a really big negative and go big on that. (laughs) Nah, seriously, it's it's been a great start, hasn't it? I think Doyley put in his um, piece at the weekend, the only negative that fans are going to be, opposing fans are going to clutch to is Mane and Salah falling out. And you think, well, that's the only thing people can talk about. That shows how good Liverpool yeah. have got it at the moment. Uh, City have dropped points. And Liverpool, they've got the experience of last year now of City trying to catch up. And they know what levels it's going to take to stay ahead of them. And they haven't really needed to be at the best. They're going to have these players like Alisson and Cater coming back that will give them a lift. And if the front three can keep it up for the season without any loss of form, they're just going to go from strength to strength. And it's nothing you can find wrong with the start at the moment. Mm. Like you said before, that in terms of the front three, that, that boost we're getting in terms of... Uh, them not having as many international games. It's everything set up for them to do well. Kiva, are you going to prove Theo right or prove him wrong? Are you positive <laughs> about the start of the season? Yeah, I mean, you could not be, could you? 12 points from t- a possible 12. It's a great start. And to go into this international break where I've just, you know, enjoyed every day, just <laughs> took a little break, a little rest from it. Um, I think the Community Shield loss was the best thing that could happen to Liverpool because it got us out of that pre-season sort of slump you know there was a bit of talk of not winning games and you know not looking the best which is obviously after going right into June still playing football and not a long break but Liverpool had to turn it on in that second half to just show City that you know we are going to go toe-to-toe and as you've seen already it's going to happen Liverpool have a slight advantage on Man City and they're already in a a two-horse race you'd think off four games which is just you know, obviously it just shows the, the massive golfing class there is. And I think it's you, you've got to be optimistic as, as a Liverpool fan at this time because it's not long ago that this wasn't occurring. And if it was even 2013-14, it felt like something that was just going to fade and, you know, not be a consistent thing. But this Liverpool team are going to be fighting for every title for, you know, the next few years. You can, you know, as Theo mentioned before, they're, they're coming into age now and they're only going to get better. Obviously, we might not amass the same points total as last season, but I can see it being a, a very, a very good season for Liverpool. And, you know, it's yeah, it's impossible not to be optimistic. I always am because I just think you've got to look for the, the positives in life and in football, obviously. But, you know, having that, that small little, little, is it a two point two points on City already? Yeah. I'm I'm taking that and I'm running <laughs> running with it. We think last year it was three teams that unbeaten until yeah. late October. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Liverpool have already got that march and yes, City haven't lost. But the fact that it's a two horse race already, that shows how far that I don't think it's more the teams dropping off, it's them raising their levels again. Mm. So every advantage counts. Mm, absolutely. Um one last thing to look back on this week then. Uh start with you on this one, course. The Monday was the day that obviously the, the Premier League transfer window were closed, but various European leagues were still able to do a bit of business and were able to take players from the Prem. Uh, Bobby Duncan and Ryan Kent moved on. Um, Bobby Duncan, we w- just wanted to, to kind of focus on, first of all, obviously we've mentioned him on pods before, we mentioned him on Monday. Um, you wrote a great piece, I thought, Gorsley, about the whole situation and why the Reds wouldn't be losing sleep over it, but also fundamentally how this wasn't something that they wanted to play out in this way. Just talk us through that, because I thought it was an interesting perspective on it all. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, earlier, well, the, the bank holiday weekend, um, we were looking for, for the latest on, on Bobby Duncan, and we, and we did the story that Fiorentina had had their offer rejected, and the bid from Nordischland was rejected earlier that weekend too. Um, and it looked um, like Bobby Duncan was going to stay. The club wanted to keep him, had no intention of loaning him, no intention of selling him. And then um, Safe Ruby got up to his, his tricks <laughs> on Twitter, didn't he? Which was an astonishing outburst, really. Um, incredibly unprofessional and ill-judged and um, ham-fisted and anything else you want to call it. It was just so bizarre. And <clears throat> bringing the players' mental health into into it was a, a bit of a tightrope for for him and mm. for everyone concerned. It was, just, it was all very unsavoury, wasn't it? And I think I think once he'd done that, um, Liverpool privately, um, I haven't been made aware of this, but privately you'd, you'd think that they'd have no intentions of, of ever dealing with, with that particular agent mm. again, given how he... He he tried to engineer an eighteen-year-old transfer, so yeah, it was a bit of a bit of an unsavoury um, exit for Bobby Duncan. Um, the club we, we will wish him well, but I don't think they'll be too too disappointed to see him leave. It's more the manner of which it was all kind of played out in public. I think Liverpool would have regretted that. Mm. It's a strange one. If he wasn't Steven Gerrard's cousin, would anyone really care? Because it's like, how often do you have so much talk about? Essentially, an under 18s player. He's got what a couple of 23s appearances. There's never that feel about them. Like it's such a big ask for them to step up into a first team. Yeah. And he, obviously, he's been told that he's going to be in the Fiorentina first team by his agent, and he's good enough and all that. Mm. But he wasn't included in their first team video, was he? Like announcing the new oh. signings. He's still got a long way to go. And he's just an under 18s player. This agent, I know he's put on Instagram that he thinks he's the best in the business, and this shows how good a job he's done. He's just been unprofessional. Yeah. Like I'm not sure if anyone's... Um, well, I'm sure everyone's seen the tweets because obviously he deleted quite a lot where he said very questionable things. But on his Instagram at the moment, unless he's deleted it, he's got the, these stories. One of them's called Banter. And there's so many digs at Liverpool in there, like having a go at Gerard slipping against Chelsea and stuff like that. And he's like, well, if you're pressing, putting this as a, a public account, mm. as a professional, bigging up all these people, it's just, it looks odd. It's like, that's not how you want to deal with people. Mm. There was a line he said in, in the... the, the Pitch on Instagram where he, Bobby Duncan was unveiled in, in Florence, and it's some, it said something along the lines of, um, I, I, "I've gone where no one else, uh, other agents are scared to go to, to oh, that effect." Yeah. And it was kind of like he was hinting that he was quite proud of of how he he basically tried to take on Liverpool on Twitter in, in such a an incredible way, really. And, and that, that I think that might leave a sour taste for, for many people because it was just so unnecessary and needless and. Um, all could have been avoided, really. But Duncan's got the move that, that he hopes will kickstart his career as a senior footballer. 32 goals for the under-18s last season. He, he's certainly a talent, but he was nowhere near the first team. He was only just about to make the step up to the under-23s. Liverpool thought his career was firmly on track and where it needed to be, but obviously he, he thought otherwise. Mm. Um, so good luck to him in, uh, in Serie A. What, what do you make of it all, Kiva? Because I, I think the lads are right. Obviously, it played out in quite an unsavoury way the manner of the, the agent's conduct and, and all this type of thing. But I think he's the 38th player to leave Liverpool under Klopp, either for a fee or on a free transfer. Obviously, you know, he's one, one of the younger ones and most of the youngsters who've departed haven't gone on so much. But I don't know, is there, is there something at the minute in young players that maybe having a little bit of difficulty <clears> at the club in terms of kind of breaking through? I'm not saying, you know, obviously Brewster won't, won't do anything this season. But like we've said on the pod already... It's it's tough, isn't it, with that with that front three in place? But I think you can almost kind of extend that through most of the first team now. It's it looks pretty settled, and there's and there's good options in midfield and at the back as well. 
Do you think that's kind of potentially going to be an issue for, for youngsters at Liverpool or not too concerned? I think it is. I mean, you look at Ryan Kent, who obviously made the switch to Rangers earlier this week. And, you know, players who are, oh, you know, he's he's got, he's a good player, but he, obviously he's never really going to make it into this. It takes something astronomical for, I think, anyone to. Mm. You've seen Harry Wilson getting loaned out mm. to Bournemouth. And, you know, it, it must be so difficult if you're a young player and you're looking ahead thinking, well, hardly anyone, you know, Trent Alexander-Arnold's the only one who's come sort of through in recent times and really, you know, had a, a staple place in the in the first team. It's obviously a couple of younger players who've come, Joe Gomez, things like that. But it's difficult for players to cement any kind of, even on the bench, to, mm. just to get there. It's like a massive honour. Like whenever a young player's named in the squad, it's like, oh my God, like this is such a big thing for them. But, you know, it's going to be quite rare that they even, you look at players like Brewster, who obviously a lot's been said about and he's highly regarded, but it's even going to be difficult for him. You know, you've got to have the right mentality to be able to be patient and wait for your opportunity. And, you know, opportunities are going to be quite rare, I think, you know, with this world-class team Liverpool are. But to be a part of that and to train every day with these players can set you up as well for the future. You know, you're going to go to another another club, maybe Premier League, maybe Championship, maybe in Europe. So I think, you know, it is difficult because if you was in a job and you were looking sort of towards that and thinking, well, you know, I'm never... But I think the players, the young players have you know, great coaching staff around them and they won't be sort of looking too far ahead. I think they'll be at the under-23, under-18 level and just playing their game and seeing, you know, their progression sort of get further down the line and hoping that they can be the next Alexander-Arnold and the likes. It's interesting you mentioned Harry Wilson because it's all about them playing the long game. Like Ryan Kent, he said he didn't want to go out on loan again and realistically, you can't see him coming back to a top Premier League anytime soon. But Harry Wilson, say he had not been on Liverpool's book, say he'd been at Derby, that he was their player, did well in the Championship and got a loan to Bournemouth. He's going into the Premier League for a season or two with an eyes on getting back to a top Premier League team. So if his end game is to then be going to a Liverpool or an Arsenal or whatever, realistically, and he's going to be a squad player like Shaqiri mm. is now. So it's whether they want to hang around at the top Premier League teams and be the squad option who fills in when required or just go on loan after loan after loan. It's debatable. It's how much do you really want to be a part of these big teams or do you just want to be with these uh, ones that are slightly a level down, make, making the Champions League every so often, you get a couple of final appearances. That's the price it gets if you want to play for a Liverpool or Manchester City. Mm, absolutely. Right then, well, final point in the pod. Um, someone else who's been a huge talking point, I think the top trend on Twitter at one <coughs> point this week, and that's Michael Owen, who, as I'm sure all listeners are aware, is, is uh, just about to put a book out, which The Echo and other titles in our company have been serialising and lots of kind of fairly explosive extracts and controversial views that Owen's put out there. Um the way I want to play this, we we asked our followers on social media, I think on our Facebook page yesterday, a fairly simple question which led to a massive debate. There was like 800 comments in um, <laughs> about an hour, I think. Is Michael Owen a Liverpool legend? Um, and if if so, why? If not, why not? Um, Theo, start with you. Uh, in the context of current Liverpool, no, just because they're now at a higher table. They're going for Champions League, Premier League titles. He wasn't around for that. He was when they were more a B-brand team when they're happy with the cup appearances. But when you think of Liverpool at that time, Liverpool were just happy to qualify for the Champions League. They were happy to win the trophies. And you can't look at his record and not appreciate what he achieved. Like his goal-scoring record was outstanding. Mm. Uh, he, he won the Ballon d'Or. He's like, what, 
that doesn't happen at that age. It's crazy. Uh, he said himself that his goal scoring record at that age was up with Mbappe now. You think, well, Mbappe's going to, he's a legend of France football mm. now. Um, he, it's one of those, if he'd stayed at Liverpool longer or if he'd come back after Real Madrid, he probably would be a Liverpool legend. Um, his best football was with Liverpool before the injuries. And I know so many fans our age, they were gutted when he left. He was probably one of the reasons why you support Liverpool. Gorsty, is there, is there a simple answer to that question? There isn't, where Michael Owen's concerned. Um, personally, I wasn't too disappointed that he went to Manchester United. Um, I know a lot of people might um, disagree with that, but at the time, he, he was approaching 30. He wasn't anywhere near the player he had been. And when he went to Man U, it was a bit of a shrug of the shoulders, I think. For me, the real issue for Liverpool fans to be concerned about was the manner in which he left in 2004, mm. which was um, run, run his contract down into its final six months was a year um, and in Real Madrid took full advantage of that and took one of the best uh, strikers in Europe for £8 million, which is, is, is a scandalous um, payment really when you when you think of how good Michael Owen was Nunes as well let's make it even worse yeah so that, that was insult to injury wasn't it um, sorry Antonio but no he, at his best he was he was a thought about he was brilliant he was England's best striker as Theo says and Liverpool's best striker and um, 157 goals, I think, in, in just shy of 300 games. Uh, won the FA Cup, UEFA Cup, um, League Cup. Well, I won two League Cups actually, but um, I'll always remember him for that um, FA Cup final where he turned yeah. around said in, in 10 minutes or however long it was. Um, for me, I'll say yes. Mm. Oh, well, I wasn't, wasn't expecting that. Uh, <laughs> Torn now, deciding vote. Yeah, I think you are, yeah. I think it's a difficult one with Owen because obviously I was born in 93 and I sort of started coming round to football, round about the treble time. And, you know, you pictured Michael Owen with, you know, his, his hair and, like, his, his baggy baggy yeah, shirts yeah. tucked in and his arms raised in the air and scoring just amazing, unbelievable goals that if anyone, you know, sort of his touch was just... If you look back now at his goals, you think, wow. But then, obviously, he left in that unsavoury fashion and then sort of Gerard become the one then, didn't he? And... It's what Liverpool went on to do in that season after, just sort of erased like what Owen had done the seasons before and, you know, winning the Champions League, I think, just sort of put that to bed. And like Gorsley says, when he went to Man United, I know a lot of Liverpool fans weren't happy, but that was a good move in his career. You know, he went on to win the Premier League and the Champions League, whether, you know, he did play a bit of a bit part there. I think it's a difficult one because you do just sort of look back with that glossy sort of nostalgic view and you think, wow, what a player he was. And, you know, he... He did score a lot of goals, like Theo mentioned. He won the Ballon d'Or. Like Van Dijk's probably about to win the Ballon d'Or. It's mm. a big deal, and he won that. You know, was he twenty, twenty-one? And it's you know, I think you have to say that he is a legend in terms of what he won and how he went about it, and you know what he done for England as well. But then his move just sort of like cancelled that. But you look at the likes of Torres and how his relationship sort of with the Liverpool fans, it was just, you know, it was non-existent once he forced to move to Chelsea, but then it sort of found its way back. And with Owen, that never really happened. And it is, I think, a little bit of a shame, but obviously, you know, I think you just have to look at that. I think it's it's sort of like Gerard Houllier. He, you know, he's sort of criminally underrated in the fan base. He's, you know... The treble winning season was amazing, and what he done for Liverpool sort of set them up to to go on and win the Champions League under Rafa. And I, I think you know it's easy sometimes to sort of overlook players that have left, but you know 
I think it's such a difficult one, but I'm going to say yeah, but don't hold me to it because I think I'm just doing it as a kid when you, you know, you'd watch Liverpool and like that FA Cup and then magical moments. Even England as a kid, what he done was it against Brazil and Argentina, Argentina. and mm-hmm. you know, I think you've you've got to look back and think, you know, he was an excellent footballer. He said a lot this week, like a lot, a oh, lot, yeah. and I'm, I am looking forward to reading this book because I think it will be quite eye-opening and sometimes I do feel a little bit sorry for him the way it went I don't know if any views have that but I know fans will be, just be like no because of the <laughs> the way he left and then joined Man United later on but there is that I remember when he and I'm talking a lot I will stop when he <laughs> spoke quite open about his injuries on BT Sport yeah. and I feel oh, like yeah. that was yeah. sort of maybe the moment when he might have like Torres just gelled again with the Liverpool mm. fans because you know he did leave Liverpool and then we went on to do great things without him the couple of seasons after and he must always think you know it didn't work out for him at such a high level and what a mistake he made and then obviously the injuries it was a shame wasn't it really mm. it's funny you mentioned Torres because I suppose you can pa- have the cub- uh, careers paralleled like if Tor- Owen had gone to Real Madrid and been a success there that's the success uh, Torres had at Liverpool because you think he was the boyhood hero. He's not got the numbers there that he did elsewhere. And looking at Owen's career, I suppose he was always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Like coming through at Liverpool, yeah, he was great. He broke all these records, but Robbie Fowler was injured and the fans mm-hmm. are wanting Robbie Fowler back. Then England, he scores the goal against Argentina and he's everywhere, literally everywhere, pretty much like he's been this week. Like he's on Chris Packets. He's on literally every <laughs> single advert. He he's had his own TV deals. shows. Anyone he had remember two that? two TV shows. He had the, the, the famous the one. With a little boy. Yeah, and like with Neville like, Southall yeah. going, well done. He's on the poster, yeah. wouldn't he? And, <laughs> and then um, there's the the fictional one where he was like a poster that came yeah, to that our eyes. Yeah, that was that one. And he was everywhere. He was, what, 19? Can any of us imagine having that much fame just thrust on your doorstep at he, that age? He actually had a PlayStation game named after him, didn't he? Michael, yeah. Michael Owens World Soccer or something. Crazy. All that overnight. But like he's had a couple of digs at David Beckham this week. David Beckham had already been there. He'd already got the fame. And there was that little Liverpool United rivalry where Owen's there, he's the linchpin, but Beckham's already got all these deals. And Owen had more talent, but Beckham made more of the talent he did have. Mm-hmm. And then, like Kiva's already said, well, when he left, but he was the darling coming through, but Gerard was the scouse darling coming through. Mm-hmm. So Gerard was always going to be ahead of him there. Gerard stayed. Perhaps, perhaps. Well, we'll um, we'll leave it there. I think fittingly, I think he went one 0 down there, and then he, he finished two one up in terms of whether he's a legend. So you know, he'll, he'll take that. I'm it's sure. It's like Carragher testimonial for me. He scored at both ends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't, don't know if you were quite a one 0 down, but yeah, we'll, we'll go with that. We'll finish on that. Um, so yeah, thank you to Kiva, Gorsty and Theo for uh, today's pod. Thank you for Owen, Saif, Ruby, and others for giving us something to talk about. And we'll be back on Monday with another edition. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.